You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode 21 of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. I'm your host, Hillary J, and I'm delighted you are joining us today to meet my friend, an absolutely fascinating person, a man who is a testament to his own strength and spirit. Best-selling author George Beatty is Philly's foremost house flipper with problem property pills, and his journey to the top is nothing short of jaw-dropping. George has pulled himself from the depths of addiction to conquer, and he is here with us today to tell you his incredible story. Please welcome my dear friend, George Boom Beatty! All right, George, you are here. You are live. You are probably Woo. wearing a mobster tracksuit. No, I'm kidding. You- <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. Like you, you're changing my life, man. I got to tell you. Oh, thanks. You know, I did get a brand new Adidas tracksuit for this that's covered in glitter and Hello Kitty, kitty stickers. And I'm a little disappointed that this is not a video conference because, boy, oh, boy, am I decked out right now. (laughs) I don't have any doubt about that. And do you have a matching cat suit for the Orange Prince? Uh, Yeah, he doesn't like wearing it, though. So if you don't know, my cat's name is Orange, and uh, he loves dressing up like things. Like Santa Claus, he likes to dress up like, like Elf Buddy the Elf from the movie Elf. Uh, he wants to be Bruce Willis from Die Hard 2 this Halloween. Not Die Hard 1, but Die Hard 2. We're going to get very specific. Now, oh, yeah. what is he like? What do they call those people? Like the Comic Cons? Do you think he kind of has that type of personality? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, I used to go to Comic Cons when I was a youngster. So uh, <laughs> I, would, I would assume that Orange is quite the, uh, the comic nerd. Okay. So, That's yeah. crazy. So we've got you on here today because um, your story completely opened my eyes. It opened my eyes from the standpoint that um, it's the first time I've read a story about addiction that didn't originate from like Skid Row. You know, you came from and you are in a good family. You didn't have like groundbreaking poverty and, you know, your mom wasn't a hooker kind of a deal. I'm sure I'm being totally offensive to people. People, you're yeah. welcome. Um, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like good. I'm going to start yeah. swearing pretty soon, so you know. You're going to start what? I'm probably going to start swearing pretty pretty profusely soon. It's just kind of how I talk. What the fuck? Are you really son of a bitch? Uh, yeah. All right. It's okay though. Well, we do what we got to do. Um, but it just it demonstrated how incredibly just vast the addiction problem is in America and that people's eyes are completely closed to it. So I was shocked, you know, I was really surprised about that. So what do you think led you to that? What doing heroin? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, there's the classic story of like gateway drugs or whatever, but like, I mean, to, to be totally upfront with you, like that lifestyle is, is very intoxicating. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like if you've ever been to like an AA meeting or an NA meeting, which I wouldn't expect you to have, but that the narrative of always sort of feeling different and like something's missing from your life constantly, like nothing's ever like sort of whole. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. like that just like piercing feeling like right right behind your eyes like right in the back of your head is like a very very common um uh, themes like like a lack of a sense of belonging, sort of. So like I think that most people with addictive tendencies definitely have that piece there. But like like I mean I didn't like wake up one day and be like hey like let's go buy some heroin right and like mm-hmm. do it like that's not really how that happens right. So like you know when you're um like okay so you know like people who like hot sauce right so like. Yeah. Everybody knows one of these wackos that like loves the hottest sauce in the world and they like they <laughs> order like the hot wings everywhere and it like doesn't taste good. It's just like oppressively disgustingly hot, right? So like <laughs> those cats, they didn't like wake up one day and start ordering like Carolina ghost peppers when they go out to get a steak. You know what I mean? Like they start out with having a little Tabasco sauce or a little Frank's Red Hot. They sort of get a taste for it. They start using more and more and more and putting it on more diverse things. And all of a sudden, they're like going out to uh, one of those wing places that has like the five alarm or ten alarm spice. You know what I mean? So it's like like a progression, right? So yeah. when I was a kid, like I started I started drinking a little bit and I started smoking a lot of pot. Um, and you know that was all fine and good. And actually, like I, I kind of had a lot of fun you know, while I, when I wasn't getting wild, cause like I was always tr- chasing like this perfect buzz, which was just like, was just more right. So like no matter how drunk I was or how high I was, I always just like wanted some more until I literally passed out or was uncontrollably vomiting. Um, mm. yeah, you know, shit happens. Uh, and I started taking pills and then I got prescribed pills and then, you know, like opiates specifically are so for those if if you don't know like um like heroin morphine oxycontin percocet vicodin like they're all in the same family of drugs and they're all just like one molecule apart (coughs) or they're all analogs of each other sort of so you know to give you an example of that like it's the equivalent of one being a dark roast coffee and one being a blonde roast coffee almost like they're still the same type of bean they come from the same place and they're basically the same thing they just have different names um, and they're progressively more potent sort of, and also oh, certain ones are illegal and certain ones aren't, but long story short, like, like I started out like, like well, that family of drugs is extremely addictive and honestly, they feel great, right? Like that's the whole mm-hmm. problem with them. It's not that they're addictive. It's that they're awesome, right? That's the real issue. <laughs> well, I think it was, uh, I think you likened it to an orgasm in a warm bath. Yeah. If yeah. I'm- if I'm remembering. And I, when I read that, I was like, wow. Yeah, it's nice. And it doesn't go away like all fast, like an orgasm does in like a minute or 30 seconds or whatever. Just like sticks Or if around. you're a woman, like 15 minutes, but whatever, it's fine. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> also true. Yeah, man, y'all got, y'all got it pretty good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what about men's rights? Anyway. So, what about um, men's rights? <laughs> look, hey, I'm just keeping it real over here. My people, my people are suffering. Um, so yeah, you know, they just kind of gets a hold of you and you're doing a little Percocet or a little Vicodin and eating them here and there. And then like two weeks later, you're doing oxys and oxys are like a hundred, that's like a hundred dollar a day habit right off the bat. You know what I mean? And then like all of a sudden you can get a bag of heroin that's 10 bucks that gets you just as intoxicated and satisfies your need. Same as a hundred dollars worth of Oxycontin. And the only place to really get heroin is like, you know, North Philly or... <laughs> 
or whatever your local skid row slum type place is. And then, you know, you're driving to uh, the spot and open air drug, doing the open air drug market thing. So in your book, Hustling from Heroin to Houses, which is a kick-ass title, by the way. Um, and so for for people listening, and you've heard this at the intro already, but George is a badass. I mean, he is flipping like Philadelphia. That's pretty much what he's doing. He's constantly innovating different ways to bring new services to the market and and be ahead of the trend. So this is phenomenal to me because you are talking to somebody who, like you said, you know, George, I was just amazed when I read, I think it was chapter nine, how you're just uncontrollable vomiting, but you're just going about your life anyways. Like you just have this, uh, that would stop a lot of people, truly. You know, it would, it would just be like, well, I can't go on. I can't move on. But you keep going. You keep going. You move past addiction. And um, and I think it was Ryan Stuman who first wrote about it. But it's like flipping your addiction to serve your life. So if you have an addictive personality, so let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, I went to a casino with one of my ex-husbands. I lost track of who. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like I was on it. Like I was hot, you know. I was going to get it. I could feel it. And I was ready, seriously, to hand over the deed to the house. When we left the casino, I had lost $600. Oh. Yeah. Hundred bucks, man. Hold on, let me put my other tracksuit on so I'm ready to talk about gambling. <laughs> okay, that's exactly why we had to have you on because you're just fucking hysterical. So, but the whole thing was like it was ridiculous, and I was just sick. But in that moment, you're in this mind frame of you can do it. It's just one more time. I got to keep going. And so, for people who are working for themselves, and we consider addiction and mental health illness, we consider those to be disorders or diseases, conditions, whatever you want to call it, that you have to contend with. You can replace, and I'm not saying like this is an overnight sensation or whatever, you can replace aspects of your addictive personality with going after your business. And that's what you're living, George, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but you stayed clean after one round in rehab. Yeah. You didn't go back. Yeah. Now that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing yeah. to me. It's usually like um, a merry-go-round, isn't it? Yeah. Most of my friends that are clean now or not clean now um, have been to rehab numerous times, like, mm -hmm. li like literally dozens of times, some of them. What's the difference with you? Why do you think it stuck that first time? Um, I really wanted to get clean and I, I mean, I'm, I'm a, when I want to be, I'm a very, very strong willed person. Um, a, but you know, looking at it on the whole, like what do I have in common with other people that have gotten it on the first shot was a true deep seated, honest to God desire to stop. And they weren't like forced to go there. So like, like what's interesting about addiction is that like in order like for it to fit the, 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 uh, disease description or disease model, there has to be like a cure. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so for instance, like, um, penicillin is the cure for, I don't know, the flu or whatever, whatever bacterial disease it's the cure for. Right. 
I'm allergic mm-hmm. to penicillin, but I know everybody knows what it is. <laughs> um, so like if you give a heroin addict methadone on paper, that's sort of the cure for heroin addiction, even though it's really not right. So like, like on paper, you can say sending somebody to rehab is the cure for addiction. But if it was, you would just go once and you'd be fine. Right. So like they say the cure for stuttering is like, actually, I have no idea what the cure for stuttering is, but <laughs> like you can treat somebody that stutters in a certain way that help that cures some people and doesn't cure other people. And some people need to do that treatment 15 times, let's say. Like I, I grew up with a kid that stutters that yeah. doesn't stutter anymore, which, which is great, right? So, you know, what's the difference between all those people that stutter that get it on the first treatment versus those that don't? Well, some of them really want it or like connect their needs to it in a different way, right? But going back to like the, the rehab example, like a lot of people get put into rehab because of things that are going on in their life, right? Like they get in a car accident, their wife threatens to leave them and they don't really want to get clean or they attach more pain to being sober than happiness. And they attach more happiness to using. Cause like, honestly, like you, like when you're, you, when you're out there on the street, like it sucks. Right. But it's like very, you, it's a very simple, uh, lifestyle. And in a way, in a certain light, it's kind of easy, right? You wake mm-hmm. up, you try to get high, you get high, you go to sleep, you wake up, you try to get right since that yes. cycle constantly versus like getting a job, getting health insurance, getting car insurance, paying your rent, paying your electricity bill. So like for people that aren't used to having those types of responsibilities, it's, 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 it's overwhelming and scary in a lot of ways. Right. So to a certain extent, it becomes easier in people's minds to numb themselves with, you know, drugs than face life. And it feels right. Cause it doesn't matter what reality is. It matters how it feels to you. Right. Mm-hmm. It matters Absolutely. how it feels to you. And if it feels like being sober is going to be hard, harder than, you know, continuing to get high or more painful or less pleasurable. Well, I got news for you. Guess what's going to happen. Well, and you almost need to flip the pain. You almost need to say, all right, well, it's going to hurt me more to be sober because uh, I don't really know how to do that. I don't know what it looks like to cope without being drunk or without being high. And so that's frightening and that's scary. And I, and I can't do it. I don't have the courage to do it right now or whatever the case is. So you almost need to flip it and say, well, you know what? It's actually hurting you more to live this way, even if it's a simpler existence, because I can understand that perspective. I mean, no bills. Nobody can find you. Yeah. You know, like you're off the grid, man. You just it's guttural survival. But it's amazing. I think in reading your book and in getting to know you, also you're a natural freaking comedian. So make sure that you do something with that. <laughs> Maybe I'll keep writing books. Yeah, well, I think you should. Because not I mean, and, and this is not a secret or anything. I edited your book. So when I get books from people, I can immediately tell who has a natural aptitude as a writer. And I mean, you had me laughing sometimes and other times you had me like pulling on the skin of my face because I just couldn't, you know, get through the chapter and my heart was just ringing for you. So I think you have definitely more than one book in you. And, um, and, and the fun thing is that 
you can do whatever you want. I mean, you've flipped, you've flipped the unending quest for the Holy Grail, whatever it was. It's a little intangible when we're always going and you know what? And I'm similar in that way. Like I told you about my $600 gambling day. And, (laughs) but I also went out to Hollywood because I wanted to be an actress and I auditioned and I, and I, you know, and I was flown out and auditioned at Paramount Studios and blah, blah, blah. But the point is that whether you're getting high or whether you're writing books or whether you're opening a business or whether you're trying to be famous or whatever, you're always reaching for something. If that is your personality, there is no reason that you can't flip that so it can serve you. you and you're, in your case, George, you're naturally brilliant. So you recognize an opportunity. I mean, flipping was kind of coming around, right? But not to the full extent that it is now. What, flipping houses? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's whenever the market jumps up, that jumps up. But I, I, I was... <laughs> So like a lot of people that get into real estate have like wanted to be into real estate since they were little kids. And like, I sort of wanted to be kind of, sort of, like I thought it might be cool, but yeah. that was a totally opportunistic, uh, act by me. Right. Um, like I literally had a chance encounter with somebody in a diner. It was like, Hey man, what do you do for a living? And that like, Hey man, what do you do for a living? Uh, conversation turned into, like what I'm doing now, you know what I mean? Because I, I saw an opportunity and I went for it. Right. It's crazy. Um, so, you know, like which, which makes me kind of lucky. Right. So a lot of people have been working their whole lives, going to seminars since they are 10 or 15 to do this business that I'm in now. And, uh, you know, I learned about it, what it was, and then applied like lessons that I'd learned over my life to it and just like worked, you know? So, okay. But wait, but wait, 10 years old. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I go to uh, real estate events sometimes, and there's like ten year olds there. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's a get rich quick quick scheme, right? So, like, you know, same thing as network marketing, or or not all network marketing, but many of them are like that type of person that is constantly doing new network marketing endeavors is the same type of person that tries to get into the fixing and flipping houses with no money and no credit thing, and you know they bring the whole family. So, you That's know, cray. Yeah. This is Cray. So you, okay, so you are recovering. What do you do every day to make sure you don't slip? And do you do you consider yeah. yourself to be recovering or recovered, or what is the verbiage for that? Uh, I don't really, I haven't thought about that in a while. I don't actually get drunk every day. That was a joke. Um, huh. So, <laughs> yeah, recovering, I guess. You know, life's a journey. It's not a destination. As, as far as it being, like, I don't really go for a lot of the I'm broken narrative because I think it's disempowering. In mm-hmm. fact, it's extremely disempowering. So, you know, if, if somebody asks me, I would say I'm in recovery, right? Uh, that's kind of like the verbiage I use to describe it. Um, there's a lot of sort of interior program politics for re- re- recovering versus recovered. I really don't want to get into that because, well, frankly, I, I just don't care. We'd fall asleep a little bit. What? <laughs> So talking about the verbiage. Yeah. In, in the, in the program at large, which is the greater conglomeration of like AA, NA, CA, GA, whatever the, like people use different words to describe things that sort of mean the same thing. 
and there's like infighting as to what's the right way to describe things. The same way that you have infighting within Christianity in the early, you know, early stages of it that resulted in like Lutheranism, Catholicism, and you know, the Protestant Revolution and all those different things. It's the same basic um, set and and same basic tenet of ideas that mm -hmm. have some people pulling out technicalities and sort of like disagreeing over. So that's what I don't want to talk about, right? Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> much so, because like, especially as it pertains to religions and my background, and I just want to stab myself in the face. So <laughs> don't do that. Because we're, <laughs> but yeah. we're not on video, is that what you said? Or do yeah. that? <laughs> Don't do that. It's bad for everybody. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm 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 a grateful recovering addict. I think is the vernacular, right? And uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing my thing. But if if you're asking sort of like what I do every day to to stay on top is, uh, you know, I do some type of personal growth thing every day, whether it's like listening to a personal growth tape like Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, somebody like that or I'm meditating or I'm journaling a little bit. I'm doing something like that basically every day. But um, I've also been clean for like a while. Like I, I don't really hang out with anybody that really drinks. I don't really hang out with anybody that gets high. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, like my personal identity and what I think is cool has totally shifted from, you know, let's go buy pills in West Philly to, hey, let's go get rich in real estate. Right. So like, the types of people and the types of ideas and practices that I've aligned myself with are much more, you know, positive than they once were sort of. So that reduces my risk a little bit, I think. And so willpower, like you said, willpower is huge because you have to be so rigid when you're changing, when you're leaving an addiction behind, you know, my husband quit smoking. Um, oh my gosh, it was yesterday nine months. Oh, nice. Congratulations, honey. Nine months. I'm proud of you. I just quit smoking <laughs> 10 days ago or 11 days ago. Oh, Again. excellent. Okay, Thanks. that's okay. I quit smoking like 17 times before it stuck. And it's stuck because you have to seriously be rigid with your rules. You can't say things like, oh, you know what? I'll just have one when I have this beer, when I have this glass of wine or whatever. You literally have to say, no, I'm done. I'm never having it. There's never an excuse. That's it, period. You just, there is no chance, no shot, no nothing. Like there's no celebratory cigars. There's nothing, right. you know, and that is the big difference. You have to be so dedicated to every action supporting this lifestyle change because it is a lifestyle change it's not yeah. i'm just stopping a habit you are making a change in your lifestyle and then um i think it's super important to start with one thing start with one thing nail the hell out of that thing then you can add something else if you want to yep i would agree yeah absolutely um so the power of the mind is amazing because you also live with chronic pancreatitis. How is that going? How is that uh, working for well, you? Are you dealing with pain? Yeah, I've been symptom free since like 2015, I think. Okay. Which is pretty bitching. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That yeah. was uh, yeah, that was grueling. Yeah, I mean, I still have like uh, some colitis stuff pop up now, now and then, but I mean, I'm. I'm pretty healthy. Like I see a local witch doctor that, you know, 
blesses the water that I drink, which is cool. Oh my God, that's amazing. Would you please find a local one in my area? Because that would be, <laughs> that'd be like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I don't actually have a shaman blessing my water, but you know, some, some of the remedies that people have told me for that stuff is basically the equivalent of that, which is hilarious. Uh, it's expanding though. You're expanding your mind and like, I'll watch your videos while you're making coffee, which I can't have anymore. Cause I can't have any caffeine. Cause it just clears oh. me like a mofo. I know it's very sad. Yeah. I'm going to hear that. Ah, thank you. I'll take a sympathy card. I'm, I'm drinking like a cold brew right now. That's like 270 milligrams of caffeine. And I had one this morning. Oh. Actually, I'm probably having a little bit too much. I'm probably getting close to 800 milligrams of caffeine a day right now. Yeah, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. You might be, you don't want your heart to explode. And that's what I tell my daughter. She yeah, works. Like little, I, it doesn't even do anything to me. Like, it doesn't amp me up or nothing. I'm like, you, you, you're, you're immune to it at this point, right? Yeah, I was prescribed Adderall when I was like a little kid, which is basically meth. So, like, mm -hmm. I think my body has a massive existing tolerance for stimulants. Yeah, I think your body does too. And then when you were, you had the chronic pancreatitis and you were in the hospital. I mean, you've just, that, that is a really hard thing to go through. So do you have to daily living then with, then you have to live preventatively with that condition? Oh uh, yeah, probably supposed to a little bit. No, actually. Yeah. So, um, what the doctor told me to do versus what I actually do are sort of different things. So like the doctor was like, yeah, just eat like potatoes and white bread and you'll be fine. I'm like, dude, wow. that shit's like bad for you. I mean, I do eat like a lot of, uh, I do eat a lot of French fries. But, mm -hmm. you know, every, every one week out of every three or four months, I'll kind of go nuts and eat like Italian food and bread every day. But in general, uh, I don't eat any bread at all. Um, probably 90% gluten free and grain free. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's some hidden gluten and stuff here and there, I'm sure. But yeah, that's, that's dramatically helped not only my, uh, athletic performance, but my mental acuity, like reduction of brain fog, as well as like a lack of pancreatitis symptoms. But I really don't know if it's, if it was that or the course of, um, pregnizone that I went through in 2015 that keeps it down. But I know that I haven't had any symptoms like since then I have adjusted my diet. I work out, you know, four or five times a week. Like I do all the normal healthy living stuff. Like, you know, who would have thunk? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I've been pretty healthy. Well, it's a testament to you. And what do you want to tell people who are listening and struggling with addiction or they're struggling with depression or um, other symptoms or conditions that are holding them down? And really, because you know how that feels, you know how that feels to be stuck and you can't move forward. Advice would be to take a really deep breath focus on the breath and take a cold shower. You'd be surprised what those two things can do for you. Um, I take a cold shower every morning. I used to be very depressed and anxious all the time, even after I got clean. Uh, I think that's one of the things that has stopped that from coming back is the cold showers and such and like the, the breathing. Yeah. Uh, but if you're looking for like a little heal all cold showers and breathing hundred percent. What um, is the, what does that do for you? Uh, it makes me feel like God for a little while, which is nice. Um, but the cold, the cold showers, it increases, uh, uh, increases like your, your body's production of brown fat, which is supposed to be very good for you. 
It decreases your cortisol levels. It decreases inflammation. It burns a bunch of calories, turns your metabolism on. It turns a little bit of adrenaline on in the morning, so you feel great. But it, it's just it's supposed to be good for like pretty much a variety of mental health as well as just regular health like uh, symptoms. And with I don't think there's any known downsides of it besides it sucks for ten seconds. Okay, so it sounds like it's kind of a a jump start to a new mental health state in a way, like it jars you out of what you're currently thinking. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, that's that's good. Because when we're stuck, it's like it's so easy for other people to say, "Well, just get up and do something." But sometimes we need to be told what to do. What does that look like? What do you need to do? You need to change that, you know, change the track, right? Yeah, I would also get your hormones looked at, like uh like not not you specifically. I mean like like literally like go to a doctor that specializes in like functional medicine and mm -hmm. get a bunch of blood tests and see where your, you know, estrogen levels are, see where your testosterone levels are. Like I had that done and I thought that I had low T because I was so tired all the time, like low testosterone. It turns out I have like super high testosterone, but I had too much estrogen. So I took some like vit like literally just vitamins and adjusted my diet at the doctor's recommendations. And, uh, now I feel great. Right. So like, wow. you know, like your hormones can be very, very deeply affected by addiction, by your lifestyle, by head trauma, mm -hmm. which people don't talk about. Like if you've ever been in a car accident, you know what I mean? If you played football as a kid, um, all those things can really, really negatively affect your body's production of hormones and growth hormone. And, yeah. uh, you know, like Sometimes it's not as simple as just getting up and doing something and going for a walk. Sometimes it is. Oh my God. Like very oftentimes it very much is just that simple. Uh, sometimes it's not, and it's not, you know, always ne necessarily something that you need a, um, SSR SSRI for like, let's say, or something, whatever mm -hmm. Zoloft is or whatever. Um, it could be something with your hormones, right? So without checking that stuff, going to a regular physician would probably just end up in, end up with you getting prescribed, uh, like, like let's say Zoloft or something, but without mm -hmm. looking at the full picture, like you don't know what's going on, right? Like they're diagnosing you clinically, which is just based on your symptoms, not based on any like data oftentimes, yeah. which, which isn't necessarily wrong. I'm not arguing with the way doctors operate, but you know, for, for me, like I got hit in the head a bunch of times when I was a kid and all this other stuff. And it turns out that like, I did have a chemical imbalance, but those chemicals were hormonal, not like brain happiness chemicals, you know? That's um, see, and that's fascinating. And that's what I think people need to really dive deeply into their conditions. And, um, you know, I, I just think that we don't understand fully, like, here's an example. So I've been sick uh, for about four years with transverse myelitis. And um, I only found out this year why fatigue is associated with it. It is crazy. So anybody who has multiple sclerosis or any of my TM peeps who are listening, this is why. It took me, like, almost four years to find this out. And, and I just thought, like, 
why would you not put this at the front of the discussion? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it's because it's a short circuit all day long. It doesn't even have to be like you're climbing a flight of stairs or whatever. Wherever your lesion is affecting your body, that's where your electrical signals get all screwed up. And so your body has to try over and over and over and over to do specific things. And it is incredibly taxing. So I think to your point, you need to understand that full picture. Why do I feel like that? You know, you know, and we, and there's so many times when we go to doctors that, because you're not taking issue with doctors, but let me tell you what I am. Stop pushing pills at us, man. Like, I can't even tell you. I had to go to a pain management clinic and they were like, well, here's a prescription for this and this and this and this. And I just thought, oh my God. Yeah. I should go out on the corner and sell this shit. Like I don't, I don't want it. <laughs> but it's they just push it at you. It's the easiest thing. Get a diagnosis. Get all the pills in the world. And so we have to be aware of what that can do to our life. Yep. So I like your your ideas of you know holistically and organically finding different ways to shake up the rut and to really. Make sure that you understand all components of your disease and your own functioning or non-functioning physiological health. It's it's absolutely mandatory. Right, George? Yeah. No, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm 100% with you. You gotta, Maybe you were nodding. Sometimes I do that. I'm like, I'm nodding. Oh, you can't hear me. Okay. So yeah. let's talk cats. Let's talk about orange. Yeah, what do you want to know about him? He's perfect. He's he is perfect. Cat. When did you get him? Uh, a few years ago. He was actually my ex-girlfriend's cat, and uh, I got him in the divorce. Oh, very nice. Okay, that's a win. Um, yep. You know, Sick Biz has a mass cat that's Monkey. Monkey is um, our cat. We've had him. He's only like a year and a half, but he got very, very sick Aww. probably about a couple months ago. And I thought he had broken his leg because he just dropped to the ground and he was yowling and it was awful. You could tell he was in terrible pain. We had to rush him to the vet. It turns out he has heart disease and um, he never regained the use of that leg. So like he can't jump up on the bed. He has to like half jump up and then pull himself up with his front legs. It's the saddest thing you've ever seen, but. Yeah, but he's, uh, so I've always felt bonded to you in that way with the love of cats. Oh, <laughs> a cat right now. Oh, let's see. I think monkey and orange can be BFFs then, man. We'll get, a, we'll get a picture of orange and put them up there on sickbiz. Everybody, everybody loves cats. If you want to increase your Instagram profile, all you need to do is like hashtag cats of Instagram and then you'll have like 10 to 15 new followers. Nice. It's <laughs> awesome. All right. So as we round the corner, what is the one thing that nobody knows about you? Uh, I guess everybody knows I was on the Maury show now because it was in my book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, um, hmm. What does nobody know about me? Yeah, they know that I love mozzarella. The people know. Okay. They know that I love. When, so when I was a kid, I used to eat pizza with no cheese on it. I used to take the cheese off and just eat the bread with the tomato sauce. Oh. I, I was weird. 
That's so gross. Yep. <laughs> do you do that now? No, of course. I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. I was an animal. I'm not an animal anymore. Okay. Yeah, that's um, that's crazy. Do people know you have a podcast? Uh, oh, yeah, I have a podcast now. I keep forgetting it. <laughs> like it's so mine's the middleman podcast because I like middleman real estate deals and my buddy Ian re- middleman's like money so if you want to buy like a house off market in the Philadelphia area you can check out my website paoffmarket.com uh, but awesome. our podcast is is literally just us talking about like having a regular conversation just with a microphone in the room so I, I, I like forget that it's recorded sometimes you know <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's just us talking about real estate or friendships and stuff like that and just kind of what's going on in our lives. But that's the Middlemen podcast. Uh, you can find it on iTunes and don't forget to subscribe to it and such. Amen. Amen. And leave a review too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do this, love is, this is real estate Kardashian style, right? Oh, totally. Absolutely. I, I, I will wear nothing but the best suits. I will eat nowhere but the very best steakhouses. You will catch me riding in nothing but Mercedes and Porsches. I pull up here on a $10 million jet, and my shoes are worth more than your house. I am George Beatty, the Ric Flair of residential real estate, and you will know my name. Woo! Damn! Yep. You're dropping it like it's hot. You know, I, I got to ask you, are you a rapper? Um, I mean, I look like one. I've been mistaken for one in the past, but I don't okay. know my originals. But like, who did, what did they, uh, what guy did they mistake you for? Mistake me for? Yeah. Where? No, like if they think you're a rapper, where they're yeah. like, oh my God, it's a famous dude. Yeah, yeah, it's Kanye West, for sure. Oh, it's for sure. I could totally see that. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I <laughs> just right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know that song, Drop Tops? Drop Tops? Yeah. Uh... Is that the one that's newer with the raindrops and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard that. Okay. Do you want to rap it at all, or are you comfortable? <laughs> Do you know the lyrics? I'm into, like, late 90s Nas and, like, Mob Deep. You know what I'm saying? No, give us an example. Like, uh, a song that I've really been chewing on a lot lately is a song by Prodigy and Nas called self Conscience. Yeah. It's about somebody writing a song and then how their conscience or the like the voice in the back of their head talks to them and then they go off into some other songs but it's it's pretty cool, you know. We'll check it out. We'll we'll provide those links too. We need to get we need to get caught up on our on our um on our website. We have um I think we have maybe eight podcasts uh, that are now posts that are you know, that have been converted over from the podcast. But oh. we've got so much stuff happening, George. We've got we've got a sick resources page coming out next week, which is going to help people with um, free financial consultations. And we'll have um, uh, mental health awareness. We've partnered with Worth Living, who's a huge mental health um, organization in Canada. Um, we've got free coaching for people on there and all sorts of fun things. We're creating a scholarship and app is being built. So that is why sick biz has been behind the ball a little bit, but we need to get the podcast out. And when we do, we will include all the links that you talk about today. Fall in. <laughs> and you're a bestseller now, aren't you? Yeah. I'm an Amazon bestselling author. 
Son of a, that's awesome. Awesome. When are we writing the next book then? When, when's that happening? Thinking about doing another one this year. That's just going to be me telling crazy stories and that's it. Like no, no good (laughs) me telling whack stories from back in the day. That'd be amazing. That would be incredible. There's so much, we've learned so much from you today and I just want to thank you so much for being on and being so transparent with people and just getting at the forefront of being vulnerable. I think when we're vulnerable, we really help people. So thank you so much for being on. I just adore the shit out of you. Thank you. Every once in a while, you meet a person that you know you will never forget. When I read George's book, I learned a shocking fact about the real problem of drug addiction. I can't fathom losing 50 people close to me in overdoses. This is why it's important to tell our stories, to get vulnerable and share our triumphs. Because we help other people as we help ourselves. To get in touch with George, go to paoffmarket.com or georgebeatty.com and make sure you pick up his brand new best-selling book, Hustling, From Heroin to Houses on Amazon. We will also provide a link to all of the wonderful things that he is doing on the podcast page at sickbiz.com. Did you like what you heard? Please listen, subscribe to the Sick Biz Buzz podcast and share our episodes far and wide so we can help more chronically ill and disabled people crush it in their businesses. For the most inspiring content, head on over to sickbiz.com and read our guest bloggers' accounts of living and working with illness and disability. And if you need to get in touch with someone on the Sick Biz team, please send an email to sickbizco at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.